In the name of the risen Christ. Amen. It may only have been a few hours for us, but for Peter and the reading that we hear in Acts this morning, it's been a bit since Jesus died and was resurrected. And Peter is a little unsure of what he is supposed to do. He is the one on whom the teacher, Jesus, rested the responsibility of this new thing. He is the rock, the chief cornerstone. And he has no idea how to build this thing that he has been called to build. There have been rumors about Gentile converts who have come to the faith because of the message and life of Jesus. That gentle man how he misses him, his wisdom, his courage. He can still remember so clearly the last night that they were together, the night that they celebrated the Passover in that upper room. Had he only realized then what was about to happen, there are so many things he would have said, would have done differently. That cock crowing, how did Jesus know? But of course he knew. He was a man, and yet so much more. He was God incarnate. On his good days, Peter is filled with joy, and on his bad days, he doubts. Not Jesus, but himself. Can he do it? Can he lead this movement? Can he be the witness that Jesus has called him to be? How like Moses he feels in this moment. If only he had had an Aaron, or at least a staff by which he might impress people with miracles. The people, why on earth would they follow him? He's a nobody. He's a fisherman after all. Jesus was insane to leave all of this on him. The Jews aren't happy. You would have thought a crucifixion would have been enough to quell any sort of revolution or rebellion. But then that rumor got out about him not being dead. It's not a rumor. It's true. People are so confused. The chief priests have been spreading lies that Peter and James and John moved the body. But the real truth is, well, he can't even understand the real truth. The real truth is that Jesus came back to life. And what could this possibly mean? Deep breaths. Deep breaths. People ask Peter about this almost every day. He tells himself, just tell the story of his life and his death. There is no need to embellish anything. Truth is already stranger than fiction. When Mary came that morning and told the disciples about the tomb being empty, it seemed like a different world. Another lifetime ago. Peter can still remember every minute of that race to the tomb, peering inside, seeing emptiness when he should have been looking at a body. And then Mary coming back again to say she has seen the Lord? It is so unfathomable, so impossible. 
and yet it actually happened. In Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius. He was a devout Roman centurion who feared God. He did good works and he prayed all the time, and an angel of the Lord came to him and told him to send for Peter. And at that same time, in a city some distance away in Joppa, Peter has a vision. A blanket was lowered, and on it were all kinds of unclean animals to eat. And the Lord in the vision told Peter to eat of the unclean animals, and Peter refused because he had always kept kosher, never eaten that which was unclean. And the Lord rebuked Peter, telling him that what he has made clean, Peter should not profane. Peter didn't understand the vision. And while puzzling over it, the men Cornelius had sent arrived and asked Peter to come to Joppa. Peter agreed and went with them. And when they reached Cornelius' house and went inside, Peter found himself in the midst of a large group of Gentiles. And his first response was one of revulsion and dissonance. He chided them, saying, You, you yourselves, a Roman centurion, know it is unlawful for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. And in that moment, he realizes why God has sent the dream, why he is the one who has been called the chief cornerstone. And he continues by saying, But God has shown me that I should not call anyone profane or unclean. And he goes on to witness to them in the words that we hear this morning in the reading from the book of the Acts of the Apostles. Words that testify to the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Words that will cause the Holy Spirit to fall upon all who were in attendance that day and heard that testimony of Peter. Words that will bring about conversion, transformation, redemption. Peter realizes that what he has been telling himself since Jesus died and was resurrected is true. There is no need to embellish. The story of Jesus is enough. Peter tells those in Cornelius' household that day, we are witnesses. They are powerful words of testimony to the resurrection of Christ, and they profess a God who is willing to humble God's self to become mortal, to live and die a mortal life, and in that death, defeat death, so that we too might have eternal life with him. That eternal life is what Peter and Mary and the disciple whom Jesus loved witnessed to today. That is what we witness to every day. It is a story we have told for 2,000 years, a story that never grows stale and instead reminds us, inspires us, to be a continued witness to the God who is just as alive and vital and part of our life today as he was those 2,000 years ago. The rumors were true. You and me, Cornelius, and all the other Gentile households have been inspired by that nobody from Nazareth. 
We have heard of Jesus and we have transformed our lives to follow in his way. Peter's witness to them in that day solidified their conversion. And the Holy Spirit fell upon them and they were baptized into the new movement just as you and I have been baptized, just as you and I have been inspired by the Holy Spirit. And in that it solidified Peter's purpose as well. He grows in strength and courage to the divine mission of sharing this good news that you and I were created by God, redeemed by God, and are always loved by God. Peter will be confronted by others' doubts, questions, even differences of opinion. But he will stand strong in his faith in Jesus Christ so much so that he too will become a martyr to those beliefs. This morning we hear the story of Jesus' resurrection and we are charged as witnesses to this new thing that God is doing in our lives. We will leave this place singing Alleluia and we, we will transform this world because of Peter and Cornelius and all those who witnessed to this plan of God's for our salvation, we too have become witnesses. We know what God was up to. And we respond not only by saying Alleluia with our lips, but living a life of Alleluia by being a witness. We are witnesses to all that God does in this world. And as individuals, we are that witness, but even more powerfully so as the body of Christ. That body here at Ascension does amazing things for God. We witness to our neighborhood, to this community, and to those beyond. And our witness comes in many forms and shapes through our mission and ministry from our commitment to the smallest among us, nurturing and caring for their young lives at our Ascension Day School for our sense of hospitality and being a good neighbor, opening our doors to the Neighborhood Association, to Alcoholics Anonymous, to Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts, and a myriad of other groups that we play host to. Our care of creation and our concern for the earth and valuing our gardens and our green spaces is an invitation that we extend to all to come and rest and be renewed our feeding ministries and teaching ministries and pastoral care ministries, even our liturgy and music, all bear witness to a God who is alive and active and part of our world, a God who is always making all things new. And we, we are privileged to be called God's witnesses. Give thanks. For the Lord is risen, and we are witnesses to these things. Amen. Alleluia.